many of y'all love the Christmas season? I so enjoy so many things about Christmas. One, I love hearing Christmas music in public places, hearing Jesus' name sang about in public places. I love to see people focus on their families during this season, enjoy their families. I love to see a spirit of generosity that seems to spread among many during Christmas time. And, and people just being generous and thinking about what matters most in life. I love at, during this time of year just reflecting upon the goodness of God in my life this time of year. Looking back at the year and looking back at how God has provided and guided and protected and worked in my life. And so I love Christmas. I love, most of all, I love it for the fact that it highlights Jesus, that it highlights Jesus' first coming, his first advent, him coming into the world, coming into a dark place in a broken world and giving his life for us so that we might live and have hope and everlasting life. And so I love Christmas and many of us here love Christmas, yet that's not the case with so many others. Uh, throughout the world. Uh, many people resent this time of year. And for many people, this is one of the most painful, darkest times of the year for them. For many people, this time of the year brings back terrible memories of when they lost a loved one in a, in a tragic death or, or when they were diagnosed with cancer. For, for many, this time of year magnifies the brokenness of relationships, family dysfunction, and lack of relationship with families. For, for many, this time magnifies the financial struggle that people are having. For many, this, this time magnifies the reality that they're sick and they're, they're unable to do many of the activities that others are doing around this season. Many are depressed during this time of year. There's less daylight it's colder, and so you're forced to stay in. If you're homeless, it's a hard time to be around, you know, to exist and with a homeless state. And so for many, Christmas time is, is, is painful. It's painful to, to see people at the store shopping extravagantly to buy gifts for, that really aren't even needed, but, but, but to buy gifts and, and give gifts to friends and family that aren't even needed while somebody that's homeless has nothing. It, it's a painful reminder and magnification of the brokenness that we're, that we're living in. And you see, Jesus stepped down into this broken world. He came into this broken world to change things. He came to give hope. He came to give healing. He came to give freedom. And we can be those who live with hope and share that hope with others. Hope is actually something that I think many folks need this season. Actually, every person needs hope. We we. We can't make it through hard times without hope. God has designed us and wired us to be people who, of expectation and hope and looking forward. And those without hope are merely existing and not living life to its full, fullness. And so here's a little research done here. In 1997, the Journal of American Heart Association reported 
on some remarkable research. According to the Chicago Tribune, Susan Everson of the Human Population Laboratory of the Public Health Institute in Berkeley, California, found that people who experienced high levels of despair had a 20% greater occurrence of the narrowing of the arteries. This is the same magnitude of of increased risk that one sees in comparing a pack a day smoker to a non-smoker, said Everson. In other words, despair can be as bad as you smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Despair does affect our health. It affects us, of course, emotionally. It, It affects our health. And God has given us great hope as Christians. We have within us a living hope because Christ has come. Christ is our hope and He will come again. Living Hope. So that's the title of the message today. We're going to look in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. And we are going to take a glimpse of two of the best of Israel in that day, two godly saints in Israel who were living with hope. Two saints who were prepared for the first advent, the first coming of Jesus, Simeon and Anna. And the story picks up, actually the context of this is Jesus had already been born and he was on his way to his baby dedication service at the temple. He was being presented by his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. According to the law, he was being presented at the temple. And so Simeon, verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and, this, and a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed, may be revealed. And there was a prophet, prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of, uh, of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then, as a widow until 84, and she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting, and prayer night and day, and and coming at and coming at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And all God's people said, "Amen." So here's where we're going tonight. Launching from this story, and we're going to look at some other texts in Romans. God is the source of hope, and He desires His people to be filled with hope by His Spirit through Scripture. And through his son. 
So that's where we're going tonight. So first of all, we're going to start with Simeon. This was a godly man. He was a righteous, devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit specifically told Simeon that he was going to see the Messiah before he died. This is awesome. I mean, this, this was a specific, a special word for Simeon. Okay? He would see the Messiah before he died. And so this was, this was a holy moment for him. He got to play an important part in, in the, the redemptive story here of affirming and, and prophesying over Jesus as a, as a baby. And so notice a couple things. First of all, that he was righteous and devout and the Spirit was upon him. Luke is, is very big on talking about the activity of the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all ever re- read the book of Acts? Luke was the author of that, that book. Well, really the Holy Spirit through Luke, I guess you could say. The Gospel of Luke has many mentions of the Holy Spirit. Already, Luke has said Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She was conceived. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. So already we got the Holy Spirit on the scene, scene working in redemptive history. So the Holy Spirit was active and, and working. The Holy Spirit was upon this godly saint, Simeon. He was a righteous, devout man, and the Spirit of God was upon him. He had a relationship with God. And because of that, because of his relationship with God, and because he was a devout, righteous, godly man with the Spirit working in his life, he was a man marked by hope. And his hope was in God and that God would send the Messiah to comfort Israel, to redeem Israel. And so we got Simeon here, this godly saint, some of the best of Israel here. And then we got this this woman, Anna. And by the way, Luke, he does not hold back from talking about women. He includes God's work through women. So there's this godly woman and she's called a prophetess. She was she was old in age. She had she was married. Her husband died and she was a worshiper of God. She was worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And she gave thanks when she saw the child. She gave thanks to God and 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 she would and she spoke about him to those who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So there's there's two phrases there um, uh, mentioned that they were she was um, she spoke about him to those who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And so you got two godly people affirming what God's up to when Messiah comes in and he breaks in human history. To be a light in the darkness and to turn things around. I love the, the, the Christmas hymn, um, O Holy Night, and there's a phrase in there. It says, a thrill of hope. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Jesus breaks in in a time when things were difficult and dark in the human history. And he brings hope. These two saints were marked by hope. They were godly saints. And by the way, hope motivates godly living. And hope comes from Romans 5, character. Character produces hope. 
And so there's, there's, there's this hope and anticipation that godly people with character have. And Simeon and Anna reflect that. And they're examples for us in, in many ways. Uh, but one of them was that they were looking forward. They were hoping in God. They were godly people hoping in God. So first point is simply this, that God gives hope through his spirit. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound with hope. Amen? So the Holy Spirit works in people's lives to impart hope. He gives a perspective, a viewpoint that, that inspires hope in people. He, he spoke to Simeon that he was going to see Messiah and before he died. And so the Spirit of God works that in people's hearts and people's lives. I mean, again, you see, he came in in the Spirit. The Spirit was upon Simeon in, in Luke chapter 2. And so it was the Spirit that gave this hope to the Holy Spirit that gave this hope to Simeon. And hope comes from the God of hope through his spirit. He gives it through his spirit. By the way, when Jesus started his ministry, after he had fasted and prayed, he came into uh, a, a synagogue and he read Isaiah 61. And he said that he's, he's reading from Isaiah 61 a couple chapters later. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus quotes this from Isaiah. He quotes this, and this is fulfillment. He is the Messiah on the scene to do that very thing, to bring good news to the poor, to bind the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. And the Spirit of God is upon him, working through the life of Jesus Christ to bring hope. So the next thing is that hope comes from the Scripture. God gives hope through the Scripture. Romans 15, 4 says that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Hope comes from being in, from the Scripture and it comes from us being in the Scripture. I'm, I'm sure Anna and Simeon were both people of Scripture. I'm sure that their hope was not only based on the Holy Spirit speaking a word to them, but the Scripture prophesying about this Messiah who would come. You see, Israel had lots of promises, lots of promises that, that would give hope to any godly Jew. Uh, some of those were, were this, uh, Isaiah 40, uh, verse 1 and 2. Comfort my people. Comfort. Comfort my people, says God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. Uh, Isaiah 49, 13. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his, his people, and he will have compassion on his afflicted. You see, there's the consolation of Israel right there. That, that Comfort my people, God says in Isaiah 41. 
comfort my people. The Israelites, the Jewish people, had the scriptures of verses like this. Psalm 130. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. My voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is steadfast love. And with Him is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all His iniquities. That's good stuff right there. Psalm 130. And so Simeon and Anna probably sang these songs. uh, Sang Isaiah or um, Psalm 130. Or they were probably familiar with Isaiah 40 and and, and the the many exhortations after Isaiah 40, speaking of the comfort of of Israel, the, the consolation of Israel, that Messiah would come and he would change things. During this time period, when Jesus was born, the Jews were under Roman oppression. They were, they were living under the, the weight of Roman oppression. They were living in a difficult, dark time. And Jesus steps on the scene as the King of Kings, as the Messiah, to change things. And the Scripture prophesied about this, that there would come a ruler, there would come a king, there would come a Savior, and that's Jesus And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because He came. The the first advent. And so that brings us to our last point here. Is that God gives hope through His Son. Um, Verse 29. Simeon says these words. He says, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. So here's Jesus on the scene, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that, of that promise. Jesus is the hope. Uh, Jesus, uh, can you imagine, just, take, just think for a moment, this guy Simeon, this godly man, holding this baby, wrapped up, God in the flesh, holding him, getting his eyes to see and his hands to be able to hold Emmanuel, the one we sing about tonight, to hold this baby and, and speak these blessings over Jesus. What a beautiful uh, promise fulfilled here. And so he calls Jesus two things here. Verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. See, God had had a bigger plan than just the, the Jewish people. God, through the Jewish people, from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the other ends of the world, God was going to bring blessing. God was going to herald the gospel forth from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth through His people. And so, Jesus was a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Any Jewish people? we have any Jewish people in here? Okay. So we're all Gentiles in here. We're the other folks, the nations, okay? And so that's good news for us that Jesus came. And he came not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. 
and that we get in on this, that we, we become a part of the family of God through Jesus Christ. And, so, and also, he's referred to as the glory to your people Israel. And so, look at this verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Romans eight thirty-two says this, He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So let the weight of this just sink in here. God gives hope through his son Jesus, okay? If, if God the Father gave up Jesus, by the way, this is the greatest gift ever given, okay? Uh, Christmas time, the, the, the ultimate gift that we celebrate is the gift of God the Father giving his son for us. And so listen to the logic in this verse, that if God didn't hold back that which was most precious to him, his very own son, but he gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That implies that God will graciously give us all things. God is not going to hold back from, from giving us what we need. He is gonna, he's given us the greatest gift. He's given us the greatest sacrifice in sending His Son. And so this passage here is loaded with hope for the Christian. This is, this is hope that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you and I should have this living hope within us, bubbling forth, ready to share because Christ is in us, the hope of glory, uh, Colossians 1, 27 says. And so, if God didn't hold back giving His Son, then, then certainly He's going to give us all things. Titus 2, verse 11 through 13, For the grace of God has appeared. By the way, Advent means appearing, right? So, by the grace, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And so... God gives hope through Jesus. So his first advent, he gives hope. He came, as we sang tonight, he came for the broken. He came for the weak and the weary. He came for the lost and for the outcast, for the sinner. He came to save sinners like you and me. And so he came and died for us. He took our place. That's the first advent when he, when he came. So that gives us hope, right? That he came for us. And so we... We now, we look back on that and we, we get hope from that. But even, even more so, we look forward in hope. We look forward to the second advent. Jesus came once and he's coming back again. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 speaks about both advents here. I love this verse. It says, Christ having offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Those, he's coming back to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. During this Advent season, I want to encourage us 
to prepare our hearts for Jesus' second coming. Simeon and Anna are two great examples of two people whose hearts were prepared for the first coming of Jesus. And he's coming back. He's coming back again in we should be prepared. And one of the ways that we're, we're not going to be prepared is if we just go with the flow of busyness that the world is, is, is going in. If we go with the flow of materialism and greed that the world is going in. If we go in the flow of indulgence and selfishness that the world is going in, then we will be an unprepared people. But if we live lives like Simeon and Anna... Lives that are looking forward to Messiah coming, looking for the second advent, then we're going to live godly lives. Hope will inspire us. That blessed hope that we have of Jesus returning will inspire us and motivate us and move us to live godly lives, to to live generous lives, to live evangelistic lives, to live worshipful lives. You see, the hope of the gospel changes the way we live. I mean, just think about somebody that you know that's living without hope. We're all surrounded by people, family members, friends, co-workers. You know, I have a, a family friend who the, the day before Thanksgiving was in a motorcycle accident in Arlington or Mansfield. And he lost both of his legs. They had to amputate both of his legs. And so he's in his late 50s. He loved to travel on his motorcycle. And this is probably the hardest Christmas that he's ever experienced. He's probably just just surrounded with despair and discouragement right now. And there's many more who are in a similar cir- circumstance and difficult circumstances just weighed down in this season with a spirit of heaviness and the joyfulness and the excitement of others enjoying this season, enjoying family, enjoying the gifts of God, just magnify that pain for them. They turn on the TV and people are happy and commercials and, you know, and, uh, or they, they, you know, their family's getting together and they're not able to make it or whatever. And so this season, let's be those who are prepared for the second coming of Jesus and help those and help others prepare for his second coming. Like Anna who spoke about Jesus. She gave thanks to God and she spoke about him to those who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Let's be evangelistic in speaking about Jesus this season. I mean, we have we have a couple things going for us already. There's already songs being sung about him in in public places. We regularly say Merry Christmas to folks. I mean, let's just at Starbucks or at the store or wherever we're at, let's stop and talk to somebody about Christmas, about the Christ of Christmas. Let's ask them some questions. Like I just uh, earlier today, I posted on my Facebook page a, a question. I, I said, um, why is it that for, for the Christmas season, this is the most special time for some and the most sorrowful time for others? And then I asked the question, what makes this time special for you and what makes this time difficult for you? That's a great question to ask a lost person or even a Christian because they get to think about it, articulate it and verbalize it like Jesus. So it was like like within minutes, uh, another sister 
who used to go to City Church in Dallas and moved away, she replied. She's like, Jesus, you know, just she gives a gospel answer because that, that's why we have hope this Christmas. We're reminded of the hope that we have because Christ has come. And then let us be reminded that he's coming back. He's coming again. We're looking forward to that. Let's be those who help others experience hope this Christmas. Amen? The Christian hope we have will never disappoint. Romans 5 says, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. We've all experienced disappointment in hoping in the wrong thing. And maybe it's been around Christmas time. Maybe you can think back as a child during one Christmas when you really wanted that one remote control car or that one doll and you asked for it and you told your mom and dad you really wanted it and you were with anticipation going to the Christmas tree early Christmas morning unwrapping the gifts that you had and to your disappointment the very thing that you longed for wasn't there and so you had a disappointment. You had a dis disappointing Christmas. That many of us can relate to that or something like that. And this Christmas, we don't have to be filled with disappointment. We, we will be filled with disappointment if we're looking to stuff, if we're looking to, to just mere comfort or even earthly relationships to satisfy us. Uh, because every person will let us down. Man will let us down. But God will not let us down. Those who put their hope in Him, those who trust in Him, will not be disappointed, will not be put to shame. And so let's hope in Him. Let's encourage others to hope in Him. So so a few points here for application. I'm already emphasizing one. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you that you might abound with hope. Romans 8, Romans 15, 13. Ask the Spirit of God to fill Fill your life like this man, Simeon, that we see. The Spirit was upon him. We Christians, that's, a, that's one of the gifts that we have, is the Spirit of God living inside of us. Romans 8, actually, I want to encourage you guys to, to read Romans 8 this week. And it talks about this hope that we have in, as Christians, that creation groans and, and we, we groan and we eagerly wait for the redemption of our bodies. And, and then it goes into... Actually, Romans 8 has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit in light of uh, this hope that we have in the Christian life and so on. But ask the Spirit to fill you so that you might abound with hope, to give you perspective that's hopeful, perspective that you can share with others who are in despair. I mean, what are you going to say if it was your friend who lost their legs in a motorcycle accident and you walk in that room and they're looking to you for a word of hope. What are you going to say to offer hope in that moment? What can you say? I, I posted on my friend's Facebook wall this morning, uh, this Romans fifteen thirteen, and and made it, prayed this prayer over him, that he would be filled with, the, with hope from the God of hope, that he would be filled with joy and peace in believing and believing and, and have hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The other thing is let us look expectantly and prepare our hearts for the second advent of Christ. Some of us here are good planners and we prepare well and we love to plan. And the rest of us are like last minute folks, right? Like cram before the test or shop on Christmas Eve. So some of us are good at preparing, 
And, and some of us already have our Christmas shopping done. I know at least one, we got one here. We've got some Christmas shopping wrapped, ready to go. We're not going to worry about it. We're going to enjoy Christmas. So just like these here have prepared with their Christmas gifts for Christmas Day, let's be those who prepare our hearts for Christmas, for Jesus' second coming. Amen? He's, come, he's coming back. And so this should be a time for us to, to, to just abide in this hope, to, to, to grow in this hope and anticipation that Christ is coming back. It's not going to stay like this. The brokenness and the darkness and the heaviness of this life is not going to stay like this. And so we should abound with hope. We should just lay, push aside a spirit of heaviness and despair and discouragement because Christ has come and he's coming back. Meditate on the promises of God in Scripture to cultivate a heart of a hopeful heart. Second Peter chapter 1 says this. Since His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and grace, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of His divine nature. And so dwell on and meditate all the promises that Corinthians says, all the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen for us. So let those cultivate a heart of hope in you. And rejoice in the hope that you have. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in hope. Romans 12, 12. Um, And then share the hope that you have with others boldly. 2 Corinthians 3, 12 says that, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the God of hope and that those who hope in you will not be disappointed, will not be put to shame, will not be let down, that you are a solid rock. And this hope that we have is an anchor for our souls that helps keep us and sustain us through the difficult, dark, times of discouragement, despair, and darkness around us. And God, I pray that we would be a church who are filled with hope, God. That hope would abound by the power of your Spirit in our lives, and that we would share that hope with others. God, I pray that we would find hope in your Word. That we would be those who Camp out in in the scriptures and allow your word to impart hope to our hearts. That we would find hope and expectation and anticipation that like a child who is anticipating eagerly for Christmas morning, that we with excitement, anticipation, and joy would look forward to Christ's return. That our hearts would be prepared, as the hymn says. Let every heart prepare Him room. May our hearts prepare room for You.